This is RJ Carbone, and you're listening to BD4. Anthony for three. Bang! That one goes this down. one by Mattingly. Oh, hang on to the RJ Barrett does it again from downtown. He is just tearing the Orioles apart. Oh. It's good. Randall gets the bounce, and he there ties the game. Houston ducks under. Got it. What a pass left. Hudson Reed slam the other way for Aaron Judge. Hit it, Trace. Creates. And it's showing some dexterity as well with the left hand. Yankees win! Yankees win! Alright, what's happening everybody? Welcome to the show, welcome to episode 358 of BD4. I'm your host RJ Carbone, welcome to the podcast, welcome to BD4, where there's no better way to get your Yankees and Knicks analysis. We also do MMA now, too. Yanks every series. Knicks every game. MMA on the weekends. Um, usually cover the pay-per-view events. Uh, I know we were supposed to have one this past weekend with the guests on the show. Things got a little busy. Obviously, it was Easter weekend, but we did have a recap of UFC 273 this past week. Go check that one out. And uh, I think it was the second most recent episode, so it's not too far back if you want to check that out. So, yeah, welcome to the show. If you're new here, well, welcome, and uh, please subscribe if you have not yet. You can find BD4 on many podcast platforms to download it. Apple Podcasts, you know, if you find us there, be sure to give us, um, to also give us a five-star rating and review. We are currently a five-star podcast and would like to keep it that way. You can also listen to us on SoundCloud, um, SoundCloud, Google Podcasts, as well as uh, Anchor, Google Podcasts, just said that, um, you know, the usual listening platforms. And um, you can also watch the podcast on YouTube and Spotify. The video format of this podcast is now available on YouTube and Spotify. It's been for a bit. Um, if you want to follow me on social media, I'm on Facebook at RJ Carbone, r.j.carbone in the search bar. And I'm on Instagram at Rob J. Carbone. And lastly, before we dive into the show, if you want to follow my blog, I write for the um I write for ultimatesportsnetworks.com. Just go there and put into the search bar either my name, RJ Carbone, or the title of my blog. The Bomber Bacher blog. When you do that, subscribe to the Bomber Bacher blog using promo code 6A2841ERJC. This way you get 10% off everything per month. You get full access to every single article and um, you get a di- uh, discount 10% off on any merch that you decide to purchase. Of, uh, on the Bomberbacher blog. I'm going to try to breeze through this episode. 
because um, I'm just like I'm I'm over it, you know. When you predict these things and they come true, there's not much to share because I've said all these things. I I'm not shocked by what's happening right now with the Yankees. They're five and five, ten games into the season, losing games to teams they should not lose games to. It's the same old indicators, and uh, it's really gotten tiring and boring. I'm still excited for the baseball season. Don't get that wrong. I'm still hopeful, you know, in ways that I I don't know. I don't know that I'm hopeful for the Yankees. Um, I'm still going to watch them with excitement because that's how I am for as long as I can, right? I mean, I'm going to watch every game, but... Who's to say I won't get bored of them quicker this year? Because if it's the same thing, and it's looking like it's going to be the same thing, boy, you could be rough. So welcome to episode 358 of BD4. Once again, thank you for joining the podcast and listening to us. We're going to head to our first break, and when we get back, we're just not going to waste any further time, and we'll get right into the episode. So we'll be right back. Stay with us, and we'll get to it. Welcome back to the show. You're listening to episode 358 of BD4. I am your host, R.J. Carbone. We're going to head right into it and start recapping a little bit. So game one, um, this was Friday night, I believe. Yeah, Friday night. The Yankees end up losing 2-1. to one. <laughs> um, You know, it was Jackie Robinson night. So that's always a good time. Uh, they had Cameron Mabin have his introduction into the booth. This was his first regular season series. So I thought he did well this series. A couple people said they thought he looked or sounded nervous. I didn't get that really at all. Uh, I thought he bounced off of K. Well, I thought he had some. He's a good talker. He's got a soothing, calm voice, I guess, and he, he's good. I, I like these. He's a little positive. But I guess you got to be. You're on yes. Um, but yeah, it was it was a nice Jackie Robinson day. It's always nice to um, see the whole you know see everybody wearing number forty two in unity. Um, but you know as far as the game goes, the Yanks put the first two runners on early, 
and they end up stranding them both. Really, just the same thing we've been seeing. The O's threatened in the second inning. DJ played some great defense. Rizzo had a nice pick, bails him out on a bad throw. Throw that Voight probably doesn't get to. Um, Higashioka leads off the uh, top of the third with a double. Monty works in and out of trouble in the third inning. DJ plays some more good defense throughout this game. He makes some more plays in the fifth inning. Monty ends up going five innings. Um, top of the sixth inning, you know, the Yankees load the bases with one out for Aaron Hicks. And what does Hicks do? He grounds into a double play to end the frame. The Yankees special, the Aaron Hicks special. Jordan Lyles of the Orioles ends up smacking the Yankees around for five and a third innings, just one earned run. He sucks. He really does. And they did zero. Former Yankee prospect, who I was once high on, Jorge Mateo, ties the game with a base knock in the seventh to take Montgomery's win away. He tries to stretch a single into a double. Gallo guns him down. One of the only things I've seen Gallo do on a in a positive, one of the only positives I've seen from Gallo since he's been a Yankee. Um, that happened. Why does Peralta start the seventh versus three consecutive right-handed bats? I don't know. Where are your big arms there if you're Boone? Chad Green maybe? Uh, Lasagna couldn't go an inning earlier? No, I, I guess not. Judge, who did not play, gets a pinch hit appearance in the top of the 10th, grounds out to third, the runner stays on second, the Manfred runner that is. Big spot for Moneybags to come through, and again, he does nothing. Um, Not coming through in big spots this year. Okay. You want the contract. Marwin Gonzalez. Defensive replacement in the 10th inning for IKF. Makes a few nice strong throws with uh, momentum shifting to his right. Looked good. Then came the embarrassing stand-up comedy 10th or 11th inning. Rizzo's on second base. Uh, Stanton hits a ball to shortstop for a base hit. It was his third hit of the night. But Rizzo lets the ball hit him and he is called out. It wasn't even that hard of a hit. It wasn't. You can't let that happen, in my opinion. You're a veteran of the game. And and not long after that, Gallo then hits a ball in front of the plate. Maybe two feet, not even, in front of the plate. And he does not run because he thinks it's foul. It wasn't foul, and because he didn't run, he was tagged out. It was, I mean, I mean, you talk about the killer instinct of this team. We always talk about that. Some of these guys just don't have that. If you really want to win, if you really want to go balls to the wall, you're running everything out. I don't care if it's foul back into the booth where, where Kay and Maven sit. You run. So two base running blunders within the snap of a finger. And the Yankees are back, just like the old Yankees. The, 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 the real, 
the new Yankees, to be honest with you. The, the recent Yankees. It's late. I can't talk. It is, uh, technically it's past midnight. It's April 18th, so it's Monday. Um, but I'm off on Monday. <sighs> uh, what else happened? Gallo, we talked about that just now. You go Clark Schmidt to Chapman in the bottom of the 11th. Chapman comes in throwing sub-95. So there's an encouraging sign. And then he walks in, obviously he walks in the winning run because he chooses to go slider over fastball in a three-ball count there with the bases loaded. The Orioles win. Trevino argues. By the way, it's Trevino. I was saying Trevino for a while, but I think on the broadcast they're finally consistently saying Trevino. But it tricked me because there's no thingy, swirly thing, Spanish thing over the N. Was it the accent? No. You know what I'm talking about. So I've been saying Trevino, but it's Trevino. He argues the call. Boone comes out. He goes berserk. He gets eject- ejected at the end when the game's over. And that's that. Uh, you know, in the press conference, Boone, you know, I was wrong. Um, and he was. It was a ball. But, yeah, just another game where we have to burn five relief pitchers because our starters aren't allowed to throw more than 70 freaking pitches. Montgomery, this was his second start. He looked great. He threw five shutout frames, just three measly hits allowed, and he was pulled from the game because he had 71 pitches. And that got me looking up. I don't know if anybody else has looked this guy up. If you want to laugh, look up the guy Old Hoss Radborn on Baseball Reference. Oh my God! Just look it up, and just just I know it's a different time. Back in the 1800s, they rode horses to work, but like it is funny. It is pretty funny just seeing the workload those pitchers had versus the ones that these guys do. Oh my goodness. Old Hoss Radborn. And it's like the most 1800s name in the world. The only thing I would say is like, I wish the D in Old was in E. So it was Old Hoss. <laughs> but like, you got to look the guy up if you want to get a good laugh and just look at his baseball reference numbers. Um, in particular, the wins and the innings pitched and the amount of games he started. <laughs> Please look it up. Um, 71 pitches. Just keep that in mind. 71 pitches for Montgomery, and he's pulled when you look up Old Hoss. Um, let's get to game two. Let, let's, let's get right to game two. So, in game two, this was a Saturday night. The Yankees win 5-2. to two. It was a little longer than expected. Um, the Yanks were down 2 nothing in the fourth inning. That's when Tyone made the mistake to Mullins. Two-run home run. Then we had the, uh, the hailstorm delay. It was a hailstorm. So the game was delayed for 49 minutes. We come back out there. And remember, the game started late, too. Um, half an hour late. But, you know, the Yankees come back, and they're a bit rejuvenated in that fifth inning. Rizzo gets the RBI single. Stanton comes through with a big double. Donaldson brings the rain and pimps the home run. 
It's 4-2 Yankees. Trevino scores in the sixth inning, makes it 5-2 on that passed ball. The Yankees win. They pick up 11 hits, score five runs. It was a nice job by the lineup. Tyone ends up going 4.2 innings. He was good, but again, just that one bad mistake to Mullins. He grooved him the fastball, grooved it right down the plate, and Mullins took advantage of it. Just one mistake, like his first start. Other than that, I thought he worked pretty well with Trevino. He had the ground ball working, he got some flyouts, a couple of strikeouts, and it was nice to see him come back out after the post delay, after the rain delay, because I feel like the Yankees, if anybody is not going to send a pitcher back out there, it's going to be the Yankees, but, you know, 49 innings, he stayed warm, threw a little in the bullpen, and he comes back out. Um, Then Sears comes in once Tyone leaves the game to face the lefty. He ends up pitching a full inning, gets his first win, then he's sent back down because he had an option. Um, Michael King pitched two innings. He continues to have a nice season. Clay Holmes then finished off the game and gets his first save. And that was really it for game two. I want to talk about Sunday night's Easter game or Sunday afternoon's game. <laughs> I got some things to say when we get back. Stay with us. We'll be right back. Hey guys, so I've noticed that only a small portion of you who watch BD4 on YouTube are actually subscribed. So if you do enjoy this podcast, and maybe you want to be notified when new episodes release, I'd consider subscribing and also hitting that notification bell. This way we can help the channel grow, and you won't miss a single episode of BD4. Alright, let's get back to it. So, if you guys want to follow me on social media, be sure to do so right now. I'm on Facebook at RJ Carbone, and I'm also on Instagram at Rob J Carbone. Once again, if you want to find me on Facebook, that is RJ Carbone. Instagram at Rob J Carbone. Welcome back to the show. You are listening to episode 358 of BD4. I am your host, RJ Carbone. If you are new here, be sure to subscribe to the show. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, YouTube, many other platforms. If you want to follow me on social media, I'm at RJ Carbone on Instagram. I'm on, I'm sorry, RJ Carbone on Facebook. And on Instagram, I'm at, I'm at Rob J Carbone. Let's get to game three. Well, because we have to. And I've got some things to say. Happy Easter. (laughs) I hope this didn't spoil it. You had nasty Nestor Cortez going up against Zimmerman. Um, Nestor just dominating frame by frame. I mean, 
He starts out slow. First inning gets it. I think he had a runner or two on base. Couldn't find the zone consistently. Working a little slow. But he finds it. He gets into groove, gets into a groove, and he ends up striking out seven consecutive batters. And in the midst of that, pitches an immaculate fourth inning. Um, which, if you don't know what an immaculate inning is, it's an inning where you pitch nine pitches, all of them are strikes, and you strike out three batters. It's the most efficient inning a pitcher could ever have while striking batters out. So he pitches an immaculate inning, which is rarer than a no-hitter. Not as impressive because it's not as long. It's only an inning. But it was really cool. Um, and they didn't even know. Uh, Higashi, the, the booth didn't know. Higashioka threw the ball into the crowd. They had to go and get it back. Um, but yeah, uh, Nestor Cortez has been the Yankees' best pitcher this season far and away. Um I wouldn't say far and away because everybody else really has done a nice job in the rotation. Um, Cole has not pitched up to his expectation, but he's still pitched like, like a number five. He's pitched good, but he's just not pitching up to his par. Um, but Nestor, now I think in nine and third innings, he's got a zero ERA, knock on wood. Um, he threw 88 pitches this afternoon, which may be a high for Yankee starters this season. I have to look. Um but yeah, he's he's doing his thing. He's awesome. He's fun to watch, and he's just you, know, you look at him and you look at, you're looking at a baseball player, right? Just a physical specimen, clean shaven, no porno stash. <laughs> no, he's he's awesome. Um, the Orioles end up unfortunately exploding on the Yankees in the eighth inning versus the bullpen for five runs, and really that was your game. Um, while I was eating dinner, that happened. So that was always that was nice. That was that was really really good. And you know they asked Boone after the game about you know going too long, uh, possibly with a struggling, you know overworked possibly already Johnny Lasagna, you know, and not going with that lefty lefty matchup with um, Litke warming up to face Odor in the eighth inning. There, I I I would. You know, I honestly, I think it's one of those things where I, either way, I would have been okay with. I get on Boone for a lot for his bullpen management, but Lasagna has been your best reliever. You know what I mean? Um, although, you know, this year he's kind of been up and down. Um, but it's like Lucas Leakey was warming up there. So why is he warming up if he wasn't going to come in to face Odor? Odor then knocks that two-run single to start the engine for the Orioles, and there's your eighth inning, and eventually there's your ball game. Um, and so the Yankees lost two out of three to a 110-loss team, most likely. I mean, it's it's bad. They're five and five now on the season. It sucks because they started out two and zero. Baseball's back. You're thinking, all right, maybe they're going to do something different this year and start out nice. No, we we found our way back into mediocrity, and um, I can't help it. I know they have nothing to do with us right now, and I, just the 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 competitor in me, the Yankee fan in me, hates doing it. But I check the scoreboard every night to see what the assholes across the street are doing. 
it's like they're they're in a feel good stretch right now. They feel like things are going well. And I don't even want to mention the team's name because I hate them so much and it just it doesn't belong in my mouth. They're filth to me. But um they're unfortunately playing well right now and it just sucks because their their owner, their general manager, they're doing what they need to do to win. They're not worrying about finances. And you look at the Yankees and it's like, oh, nice. Because the first person I look at is Cashman. Boone sucks, sure. Hal's got his problems, sure. But Hal Steinbrenner did give Cashman a ton of money to work with. Like Cashman always likes to point out. And look at what it's looking like right now. A pathetic series loss, again, to the lowly, probably 110 lost Baltimore Orioles. This Yankees team looks very similar, eerily similar to the one that's thrown out there the last two seasons. This team can't hit. They can't hit. They strike out all the time. They rely way too much on the power. They hit into double plays. I think 10 already to lead baseball. Their defense is still erratic. They're running into outs on the bases still. They can't cash in with runners in scoring position. They change the stupid batting order every single game, which maddens me. They sit their best players for garbage reasons. And the only positive you can really have about this Yankees team right now, the pitching, is bound to hit some rough patches eventually. And that's unfortunate. Because doing this crap, where we're having this incredibly tight leash on every single starter, and not only that, but abuse the bullpen even when we do get length from a starter, it's not sustainable. It's not. We are, and I say once again, trying way too hard to be the small market Yankees, to be the Kansas City, Pittsburgh Yankees, or as Yankees fans like to joke, the Tampa Bay Yankees. You gotta go be the New York Yankees. You gotta go be the evil empire. Why is Aaron Judge sitting against the team he basically owns a share of? He dominates this team. Why is DJ LeMayu sitting in the middle game? Why is Anthony Rizzo sitting in the rubber game of this series? We are 10 games into a 162 game season. We are 10 games in. There is an off day tomorrow as you listen to this. That's today. So, I mean, enough with the ridiculous idea of a double off day. I cannot stand that. That mentality is insane. You already have an off day coming up. You do not need 48 hours in a row sitting on your ass. You don't need that. These are men. These are professional athletes. The best in the world. Their jobs, literally their careers, are to play baseball for 162 days a year. That is their profession. And if you need help figuring out why the double off day is absurd, then look up the definition of profession. This this whole rest first, win later philosophy is the exact same philosophy that got the Yankees into a wild card game at Fenway Park last season. 
That's why they got there. Because we see the Orioles on the schedule and we think, oh, well, this is a great time to soften up because we'll walk through them anyway. So let's sit Judge. Let's sit Rizzo. Let's sit DJ LeMayu. You can't do both that and say you want to have this FU mentality. You can't. That's not that's not possible. So we must, must, must figure this out. We got to stop resting guys every night. We got to stop changing the batting order every single night. Whether that's Boone doing that, Cashman, Hal, the Ivy Leaguers in the office at the round table, whoever it is that's doing that, it needs to stop. How about some continuity? How about establishing some solidified roles for each and one each and every one of these players? Some consistency. I cannot imagine the players on this team, especially the veteran players, like this musical chairs bullcrap. I cannot imagine they do. Guys want to know what their job is. Now, I was talking to my cousin about this the other day, and he brought up a decent point. That everyone's role should be to hit, to get on base, to go out there and, and be productive. And I do agree. But that counterpoint isn't a counterpoint. It shouldn't be a counterpoint to, to what I'm saying. You know what I mean? Like, I, I think it'd make it easier. I, their role should be to hit no matter what. But their role can still be to hit while knowing where they are in the order every day. Right? If you know where you're going to bat, if you know who you're going to be sandwiched in between, it'd be easier. We don't even know who the leadoff hitter is going to be on a game-to-game basis. Is it Donaldson? Is it Hicks? Is it ever going to be LeMayu again? Is it Rizzo? We don't even know the six hitter, the seven hitter. I get it. Some of it. You know, new age baseball. You got to mix and match. Righty, lefty. The numbers say this. This and that. All of that stuff. But I just, it's like each and every day. The Yankees get further and further away from traditional baseball. Where it gets a little too extreme. Because I get it. There are some things that are way too old school for today's game. I understand that. But man, I mean between the shifting. We had Glaber in the outfield today. The multiple pitching changes per game. The whole third time through the order. You gotta pull your starter. The idea that there are only three true outcomes at the plate. The leadoff situation. Everybody, you got to have a power hitter up there. The Yankees just, it's like we're going a little too far down this rabbit hole of analytics. It's good to keep some traditional aspects intact here. It it is. I... (laughs) I'm just I'm just sick and tired of, of like waiting for the lineup card to come out every 4 p.m. And as soon as it does, my phone buzzes. I see the notification. I look at the phone and my eyes directly. All oh, the first thing I do is is look for DJ LeMayu. Is he going to play? Look for Rizzo, Judge, Stanton. Those four guys. I'm like, right, is any one of them going to sit? I shouldn't have to do that. That's a shame that we have to do that. It is a shame. They should be in there every day. I don't think Toronto does this. They have the same, pretty much the same order. Vlad has played every 10 game. The Sox have played JD in every game. 
It's insane to me. It's insane. The Rays, it's like we're so focused on what Tampa's doing. We tried to mimic their bullpen strategy, having a reliever start the game. We tried to do the mix and matching, and, and we just rely on analytics way too much because we think they're the Rays. The Rays are doing it, and it worked. They got to the World Series. We're not the Rays. We're the Yankees. The Yankees don't have prospects and new players every year. They've got a bunch of established guys like LeMayu, Stanton, Judge, and Rizzo. I keep mentioning them because they're the top performers of the team. These guys should have a spot to live. They should know where they're going to stay throughout the, the season. And I understand you have a clunky roster construct like this. That's going to happen. right? A regular will sit. So that's on Cashman. Because how the hell, as the GM of this franchise, do you sit there, see what this team looked like all of last season... Watch them get bullied at Fenway in the wild card like they didn't belong in the majors. And then, how do you respond to that by sitting down and doing practically nothing but settle, settle, settle in one of the hottest free agent classes you will ever see? How do you do that? How? We'll be right back. Stay with us. So BD4 is on so many platforms to listen to. You can listen to us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, SoundCloud. You can listen to us on Spotify. You can find us on our sponsor, Anchor, and many other listening platforms as well, wherever you get your podcasts. But we are also available to watch on YouTube. So if you want to watch us on YouTube, go subscribe there. But if you prefer to listen to us, again, many, many, many listening platforms. Just be sure to subscribe, download, give us a rating, a review, comment, share the podcast, and all that fun stuff. This is BD4, where there's no better way to get your Yankees and Knicks analysis. All right, folks. Now, if you are listening to BD4 on Apple Podcasts, be sure to give us a five-star rating and a review, if you so please. So once again, this is if you are listening to BD4 on Apple Podcasts, give us a five-star rating and review. Thank you. Alright, welcome back to the show. I am your host, RJ Carbone. And um, you're listening to episode 358 of BD4. I'm your host, RJ. (sighs) Speaking of analytics, Joey Gallo is dog water. He's dog water. To a point where I saw Tim LaCastro in there today over Gallo. I legit felt butterflies. I was happy. Tim McCastro's an automatic out. So is Joey Gallo. He's an automatic strikeout. Which, by the way, that whole idea, like this whole notion that Gallo is only 
underachieving. Is he even underachieving at this point? Because of uh, because of some bad luck. It may just be. It may just be the most Zoomer millennial trophy generation load of horse crap I've ever 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 seen. And I sound like a total boomer here. All right, but I'm 27. I know what my generation thinks. They think a little differently than I do. But it's like somebody actually... I saw this this graphic. Somebody actually took the time to make a graphic that showed Gallo is first in baseball and barrel percentage, exit velocity, and I think the other one was um, hard hit percentage or something. It's like, first of all, you people carried that, ex- that same exact shtick with Gary Sanchez all throughout his career here in New York. That was all you heard. Gary's going to turn it around. He's just unlucky at the moment. It's not sustainable to be that unlucky when you hit it so hard. Stop getting on Gary. I'm going to get on, guys, for as long as they continue to suck. That's just how it works. Yankees fans will live in the moment. What have you done for me lately, right? And right now, Joey Gallo sucks. There is not one number that you can show me that tells me that Joey Gallo is doing positive things at the plate right now. And you can't predict the future. Baseball, you cannot predict. So I don't care if your numbers indicate that he's going to turn it around and that is bad luck, that it's not sustainable. I don't care. I want to see it happen first before I praise him. How stupid would I look if I'm sitting here saying, you know, he's hitting 140, but you know what? I think he's doing great because eventually he's going to do... (laughs) And let's not act like Joey Gallo doesn't strike out and whiff in a third of his at-bats. That's not luck. That's him striking out and having a swing that practically aims for the sky. He's striking out so far in 11 of his 35 at-bats, or plate appearances. That's a 31% K rate. That's almost a third of his trips to the plate. I think the league average is 23%. So that's pretty bad. You know, the benchmark, the benchmark I, usually, I usually like to look at 20%, because like that's like the average. But like year-to-year, the actual statistical average fluctuates, and it's usually, you know, give or take 23%. But, you know, going back to, like, this is where whoever makes the lineups. Like, can we just sit Gallo and the guys just play? Like, I wouldn't mind just sitting Gallo. When he's in the lineup, he's a black hole. It's bad enough that numbers 6 through 9 are black holes. They're automatic outs themselves. Torres, Higashioka, he's horrible. IKF, Locastro. We cannot have that. That was the lineup today, 6 through 9. That was awful. We cannot put out a lineup where half of our guys are automatic outs and call ourselves the bo- uh, the Bronx Bombers. Torres is so lost at the plate, dude, that he bunted today with those 7-9 to nine hitters behind him. By the way, the second he got some reps at shortstop, he makes an error. <laughs> oh, it's hard. It's hard because I like the kid, man. I want to. It's like, why is he there, though? You were telling us all offseason he cannot play shortstop, and you put him there. Um, 
And you can even throw five black holes if you include Donaldson because the guy cannot make contact with an off-speed pitch. I know he hit the home run yesterday. Great for him. But overall, he ain't doing it. And the guys who are hitting right now, the guys who are actually producing, they still aren't really coming up in big spots. Hence the overall team average with runners in scoring position. I mean, Hicks is the last guy as well as he's hitting that I want up with guys on base. I was listening to Talking Yanks. He's he's a 600 hitter with nobody on base. And he's uh, he was saying how he's a 143 hitter so far. Excuse me. With runners excuse me, in scoring position. That's why it feels like he's not doing well. Because the numbers are there. But when you peel back the layers, he's not coming through in the big spots ever. Two double plays. So he's hitting right now. It's good for him. I do expect him to regress back to his usual 240 and below self soon enough. But right now, I'll give him credit, you know, because I'm not going to nitpick. He's one of the few guys on the team who are actually hitting. So good for him. Uh, Judge, the numbers aren't too bad himself. But it's like you're Mr. Moneybags, right? You want the money. You declined the $250 million contract for seven years. That wasn't good enough for you. You've done zero good things in big spots yourself. He has one RBI on the season. You want to be the franchise? You want to be a moneymaker? An alpha? Be there for your team when you are needed most. It's pretty embarrassing. It is. I'm so tired of losing to this team. We should be smacking this team. If the Yankees were truly great or even very good, These games are blowout victories, not losses, not just victories, blowout victories. So, yeah, I mean, the only good thing is is a couple of players, right? Like DJ LeMayu. Played two games this series. He was three for seven. Walked. All right. He's hitting 321 on the year. He looks good. He's hitting line drives, and he's going the other way again. I like it. I just wish he would be back at the leadoff spot. So I like the way DJ is playing. Um, Aaron Hicks. Not bad. Huh? He had a decent series. 3 for 10. Couple of walks. Again, I don't mind him lead off for now. But eventually, when, when you know, he goes back to his norm. Um, then, you know, can we please get DJ back up there? And then the third guy here I want to feature. My guy, Nestor. Pitched the final game of this set. Five innings today. No earned runs, 12 strikeouts, one walk, three hits, and they were all singles. Pitched an immaculate fourth inning in the midst of a seven strikeout streak. He looked phenomenal. And like I said, he keeps doing his things. So, yeah, that's really it. Couple of couple of bats, and the entire pitching staff is really doing well. This start. Every starting pitcher and um, the bullpen. But you've got to start hitting. I think the Yankees in 10 games this season have 30 runs, or that might have been a stat from 
No, 10 games, 30 runs, right? That's three runs per game. That's not acceptable with a $250-something million payroll. It has got to improve. So that's it. We're going to head to our final break. And when we get back from break, we're going to wrap it up with the NYYNYK question. NYYNYK MMA question of the day. So stay with us. We'll be right there. Hey, guys. I hope you're enjoying this episode. But first, I also want to let you know I have another blog. The blog I'm writing for is on ultimatesportsnetworks.com titled The Bomber Bocker Blog. If you want to go subscribe to this blog, you should do so using my promo code 6A2 841ERJC. Using that, you'd get a discount $7.99 a month to get the best Knicks and Yankees opinionated content around. Once again, guys, the Bomber Bocker blog on ultimatesportsnetworks.com using promo code 6A2841ERJC, $7.99 a month. A custom wall tapestry is a surefire way to uplift any room's aesthetics with a personal touch. This 100% polyester wall tapestry comes with hemmed edges for extra durability while its mildew and water resistant properties ensure years worth of decorating bliss. The advanced tapestry printing techniques guarantee crisp detail even for the craziest of designs in any of the multiple size choices. You can select a size of 26 by 36 inches, 51 by 60, 68 by 80, and 88 by 104. These wall tapestries usually ship in 7 to 10 business days, and the price ranges from $24.99 to $69.99, all dependent on the size you select. The Bomber Bocker blog wall tapestries come in orange, gray, and black. But most importantly, be sure when purchasing a wall tapestry for the Bomberbacher blog that you use promo code 6A2841ERJC. 6A2841ERJC. Just go to ultimatesportsnetworks.com and click on the Shop MVP tab, searching the Bomberbacher blog. And there you have it. So I mentioned earlier how I was listening to a a few minutes of Talking Yanks before I jumped on here. And uh, one of the really good points he made, John Boy, was that the... There have been like two stretches over the last two or three seasons where the Yankees have looked like a great baseball team, a very good to great baseball team. And that they have both been when the Yankees have ditched their analytics and have been forced to go away from it because they're playing guys with short sample sizes and prospects and, and replacement players. That was in 2019 during the next man up st- uh, stint, and that was towards the end of the season last year. Remember where they started to steal more bases and do all that. So I found that very interesting. 
just a little tidbit. Um, so let's get to the NYY, NYK MMA question of the day to wrap this thing up. All right. So for episode 358, our NYY, NYK, MMA question of the day. Who collected the first hit of the postseason for the 2021 Yankees? Who collected the first hit of the postseason for the 2021 Yankees? All right. So the first hit of that Red Sox-Yankees game last year at Fenway. Who was it for the Yankees? For the Yankees. Alright, so that is it for episode 358. I do appreciate you tuning in. I'm your host, RJ Carbone. And that's it, guys. Thank you so much for tuning in. And I will see you in the next episode. It'll be 359 after this T-Grays series. Oh boy, should be fun. At least Baez is out. (laughs) Uh, Speedy... Speedy recovery game, though. He's a good player. Um, And that's it, guys. Thank you so much. I'll see you in the next one. Ciao. This podcast is brought to you by Anchor. It's the best way to make a podcast. Download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm.